Well, good morning. Well, one of us is lame. Good morning. Good morning. You know, it's, we do that really because we don't know what to say. Uh, it's just to get us going and like, hey, good morning. Now we're awake. This is good. I was just saying as I walked up, I said, you know, we could have just kept singing this morning. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful time of worship to praise God. And, you know, sometimes when we get into these seasons, we have seasonal songs. <clears throat> if we're not careful, we can just think they are they're just set aside as, well, that's Christmas songs. But yet, when you get into the meaning and the, and the words and the, and the story and the background behind the songs, man, they speak of the power that this season brings because God came with us. Amen. He came among us. We sang, he's our Emmanuel. And this morning, I encourage you, let him be that today. Let him be with you. Well, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to wrap up this series of, of Rediscover Christmas. And I thought no better place to wrap it up than the Christmas story as we here are perched on the edge of, a, of our celebration coming up in two days of what we celebrate as a day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And I want to start out by just reading the, 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 the story, the first five verses, because it brings us up to that edge of, of almost there, but not yet. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 down through verse 5, says this. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. Remember, we, we shared that in the resume of Jesus a few weeks ago. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. You know, we've been saying all along in this series that uh, the world has it right. This is the most wonderful time of the year. I can't think of a, a more happy time, really, for people all around the world, whether they have faith in Christ or not, to celebrate things that are good, things that are, are right. It's, it's a season where I don't know who came up with the idea, but we get to put lights on our house and our trees, and I think that's a pretty cool idea because it makes our neighborhoods look a whole lot better. Uh, we get to give gifts away to those who are close to us and also to those who are in need. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of goodness, a lot of charity, a lot of flow that's in this season, but it's also a time where, where we, we get to celebrate family and we gather. I know this week I was looking around this morning and a good friend of mine, Pastor David Dukeson at Center City, we were joking back and forth a text this week. He was in this deep theological study about the remnant. And he's like, what do you think about the remnant? And I wrote him back. I said, that's who's going to show up Sunday that's not on the road going to their family because it's a time of travel. It's a time where we get out of our normal routines and just sit back and take in what ought to be the highest celebration for us as believers. Because, you know, it's not just about a birth. In fact, historically, we don't know if Jesus was born two days from now, but we celebrate that. We need to set aside a celebration because it's more than a birth. It's about a coming. It's about a coming of God among us to meet the highest need we have in our lives. And we're caught in this celebration that, that sometimes can be confusing because not only is it a holy day for us, but it's a holiday for everybody else. And, uh, and we get into these conflicting narratives of what Christmas is all about. And I wanted to take this season, this December, and just bring us back into the understanding of what is this Christmas mean to us? What, what does this celebration, this holy day mean to us? And we talked about various aspects of that because I really believe this. This season puts something in the hearts of, I think, everybody, whether they're believers or not, and that is a heart that says, I need hope to be real in my life. 
There are things we hope for. There's things we, we desire. And, and yet, for those that don't know Christ, the hope of this season is without context. And yet, God has called you and I to bring the context that we would be people of the word. We'd be people of the, of the message. We would be gospel ambassadors to just tell people that there is a reason, not, not to make a bumper sticker, not to get angry at people, but there truly is a reason in this season to celebrate. Because the only hope we have is the fact that God came and took care of the greatest problem we'd ever experienced. And that was we were separated from God by our sin. And out of that, there are these outflows. Out of that, there's these things that we sing about and we, we want. We want joy, unspeakable and full of glory. We want peace in our lives. And that's what I want to speak about today is really what does it mean to have the peace of Christmas in us and how do we communicate that to others? I, you know, I, I have to admit, and, and I think you may, don't, don't amen this, but I think if we're honest, we confess that sometimes this time of the year can be more stressful than peaceful. At least you can nod your head, right? It, it can be overwhelming to a lot of people. I was with uh, uh, one of our, we have, we have several psychologists that attend Hope Church. I was one last week and I was like, so it's Christmas season. He's like, yeah, <laughs> busy season is what it is for us. He said, the blues are real and they come very strongly because there's a lot of stress that comes with the season. But yet in the middle of that, we celebrate the Prince of Peace who came among us. I mean, I, I like Christmas. I'm, some of y'all may think I don't by some of the things I've said recently. I, I like Christmas. I like the reality of Christmas. I just like sometimes the, the crush of Christmas because I see what it does in people's lives. And, and I, I find things in Christmas to me funny. I, I think there's some odd things we do surrounding Christmas. I mean, you think about what goes on in the world around this season. There's just things that, that don't make sense. I was reading this week. I thought it was funny. Uh, it, was, it was a Ripley's, believe it or not. They were saying that the newest tradition in a whole country, and in fact, it's the highest celebration in the country of Japan right now, the thing you do at Christmas is, is you eat Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Eve. Exactly. Like, what? what? Hey, let's go get some Kentucky Fried Chicken, and let's celebrate with those in Japan today because Jesus is coming, right? Um, even, even this year, it's weird because like our traditional Christmas songs are all being thrown out because they're politically incorrect. I mean, poor Rudolph got bashed this year. I mean, it, it makes no sense. We start back in, in Black Friday. I read about the lady that let the pepper spray off in Walmart so she could be the first one to get to the gift, you know, and I'm thinking we are insane when it comes to Christmas. Even our Christmas songs don't make a lot of sense. Do you hear what I hear? A lamb, a lamb talking to a shepherd boy. I have not met a talking sheep lately, have you? It makes no sense. But then when we get into the big part of it, and we love to sing this, we're like a child, a child shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. And I'm thinking, how about a blanket? He's cold. And we're offering gold. He's shivering in the cold, but let's bring him silver and gold. It just makes no sense. Silent night, what's around yon virgin anyway? And would you even want to be called that? It makes no sense. All is calm, all is bright, but yet it's not accurate at all to what happened in this season in the life and the birth of our Savior because there was not much at all going on that we would consider peaceful in that time. I mean, think about it, Mary. Mary was probably, most historians believe, between the age of 13 and 18, somewhere in that range. She was in an arranged marriage to a guy who was most likely around 30 years old. Remember, Joseph was already dead by the time Jesus went to the cross. They, they were not married, and yet they were pregnant, and there was complete rejection from their family and from their village. And the only answer they had to give anybody was, trust me, the Holy Spirit did this. Yeah, right. On top of that, here we are reading that they're going to go and pay their taxes 
And ladies, being pregnant and riding on a donkey does not sound good to a man, much less a woman, I would think, who is pregnant. But in the midst of that, we see this event that shows us the way to peace. Luke 2, verse 6 through 7 says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And we picture that and we make all these beautiful thoughts about what is taking place. In fact, put the, put the, script, the slide up of what this series is about right now. The, 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 there we go, the, the, the stable. Doesn't that look beautiful? I mean, Christmas lights hanging, angels. It was a barn. My first job was in a barn. I cleaned out stalls. I mucked stalls for my father's veterinarian clinic. $2 a stall. That's how I made my first money as a teenager. There is nothing beautiful about being born in a manger where cows and sheep and horses eat and do what cows and sheep and horses do. So even in his birth, it does not speak of these things like peace on earth and goodwill to men. In fact, God was sending his son into a world that's makes ours look very, very calm compared to what was taking place in that world at the time. Political strife, oh, it was huge. Power plays, wars, political corruption, slavery. We talk about income inequality. We don't even know what we're talking about compared to the time that they lived in tyranny all around them. But only in the midst of that, God sends us the greatest gift who came to save us from our sins. And he came in a way that identified himself with us, with our frailty, with our weaknesses, with our brokenness. And I'm so thankful for that, that God didn't send his son in this perfect manner, in this aristocratic family saying, I, I, I bring you high education, I bring you knowledge, I bring you all these things going to make you better. No, he came to make us different, to transform us, to save us from our sins. He came to be our rescuer. And he didn't come as some put out deity. He didn't come out as some mad, angry God that's like, I've just done with y'all. I've got to come and just show you the way. No, he came out of love for us because in his holiness... God cannot sit back and watch sin continue to destroy his creation. In his love, he could not send uh, some prophet to say, hey, start acting better, maybe one day you'll be good enough. No, he sent himself through his son Jesus Christ to die for us so that now we may have life. And out of that life flows what we would say is peace. We all seek peace. But usually we seek it, and especially the world seeks it in a way that's, that's not even biblical, that's not even... I, I will say, I dare say, not even possible. Because when we use the word peace on earth, what most people take that context is, is that, that we're going to have peace on earth. In other words, there'll be no more strife, no more fighting, no more wars or rumors and wars, but yet the Bible doesn't use that term peace on earth only but in one place. And it's not where you think. It's not even in the Christmas story. In fact, Jesus, and I'm sure you won't put this on your Christmas card, Jesus was asked about peace on earth in Luke 12, 51. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. No, I tell you, but division. He, he says, look, I didn't come here so you can all get along. I came here so you can be transformed. I came here because this world will never see true peace until he comes back again. But in the midst of it, he promises peace to those who would put their trust in him. You see, the concept of peace on earth just doesn't, it doesn't equate out in history. 3,500 years of, of history. Last 3,500 years of history, there have only been 286 years where there was no recorded war going on on this earth. And it seems like we've been involved in a perpetual war lately, and, and, our, and our armed forces were so blessed by them, but yet the peace we're seeking because of the sin of the world will not be found. 
But the peace we seek as believers, he promised, is very real and can be found in us every single day. In fact, the more accurate description of the peace that Jesus brought to us is found in John's gospel, John chapter 16. When he said to those closest to, them, to Jesus, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Whose peace was it? He said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He, he says, look, I tell you these things because you, you want peace, and I, I give you my peace. And later on, he says in Scripture, I give you my peace. He said, but here it comes because you're going to have some things that are going to always disrupt your life, but take heart. I've already overcome those things. In the midst of them, you can't have peace. But sadly, most people let the world overcome them instead of standing in the promise that Christ has overcome the world, and they don't walk in the peace that he bought for us. I see some things and circumstances around us that I call peace busters. In fact, I, I see it lived out way too often, and, it, and it's sad because, again, they keep people from walking in the peace God has for them. The first one I want you to see is what I call unavoidable circumstances. How, how many know there are things in your life that you walk in that you did not create? There are things that happen that we did not ask for, cancer. There are things that, that happen that, that just don't seem right. We, if, if they happen to somebody else, we kind of like, well, maybe they deserve that. But when it happens to us, we're like, no, no, we, that is beyond our control. I mean, you think about it, it's like we take care of this body, and yet it still fails us. We still get old. Don't say amen there. We, we live right. We do the right things. And yet, at the holidays, they decide to put the pink slips out because the uh, Balance sheet doesn't look so good, and we have to start looking for another occupation. There's these uncontrollable circumstances that sometimes rob people of their peace. Here's the second one, and this is very real, and that is that sometimes unbearable people rob us of our peace. Don't say amen too loudly. Some of you may be going to holidays with unbearable people, but we all know someone in this category. And if you don't know someone in that category, I invite you to go to Concord Mills after service today and just drive in the parking lot. You don't even have to get into the, to the buildings. I, I, at Christmas, I've been honked at. I've been yelled at. I've been given the one-finger salute, and it wasn't like one-way Jesus. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm thinking, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And, uh, or I can get all biblical, and I can be like David in, in Psalm 109, said, with words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause, and I'm just trying to buy a present. They can rob you on peace of earth. And yet, again, Jesus said, don't, no, no, take heart. I've already overcome all this. There's other things. There's unexplainable suffering. I, this is my, I don't get this. I have questions when it comes to this. Disease, loss, grief, suffering. Listen, I know God is in control, but in my flesh, I want answers. In my flesh, I want understanding. In my flesh, I want something that I can put my hand around because, again, in our flesh, we want to be control, in control. I've shared this with you before, but I am convinced that the first sound in heaven is not the angels and the hallelujah chorus. The first sound in heaven is going to be all of us going, oh, that's what it meant, or that's what happened, or that's what you meant when you said that, because there's so much we don't understand here on this earth, but yet we walk in it, understanding that Jesus came to bring us peace even when our questions aren't answered. And all of these lead to a final thing, and this is one that we really have got to get a handle on, and that is what I call uncontrollable worry. We, we all worry. Let's just be honest. There, there's not a one of us that doesn't worry sometimes. It's in our humanity. It's in our nature. But, but, but sometimes we, we worry beyond what God would want us to be because we, we just find things that we, we want control of and we can't. So it makes us stress and we sit back and it eats up. us. Even in Christmas, we worry about things and we worry about things that don't matter. 
I mean, I mean, it's interesting at Christmas, there, there's different kind of worry going on. The, the, the worry might be, I don't know if I, if I bought the right size or the color. Or I, I hope they like it. And then there's the other worry, how are we going to pay for all this? And it catches us in this system when we ought to be celebrating peace and all of a sudden the worry becomes crippling in our lives. And what worry does for us is this. It causes us to pull away from those who God gave us to help us. Did you know that? When we worry, well, what will they think about me? Well, what will they say? Or, or how will they act? Or are they going to be nice? Am I going to receive this gift? Are they going to be happy with that gift? We, we literally separate ourselves from humanity because we get so uptight over it. We don't know how to act. We begin to not act like ourselves even. And worry begins to affect our physical body. It affects our minds. And before long, it begins to break down the very creation of God in us. So how do we find peace on earth in this season of Christmas? Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it's where we see the angels coming and where we see this declaration of what Christ came to do. And Luke chapter 2, verse 10, down through verse 14, this is the angels speaking. They said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that, there, that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. See, the songs turn it. They say, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But it says, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And the meaning there is very simple. I want you to put this up for us. The meaning of that statement by the angels is this, that there is peace on this earth, in the middle of life's mess to those who walk in God's favor. There's peace on earth in the middle of life's mess to those who put their trust in God. If you're expecting peace on this earth, you're going to wait a long time. So how do we experience real peace? I mean, the question is not really how then do we get peace? The question is how do we walk in God's favor? And that's where I want us to, to drill down a little bit this morning. How do we walk in God's favor? How do we walk in that place where peace should be a byproduct of our trust in Christ. Because here's what I'm convinced of. Every one of us that put our faith in Jesus ought to be the most peaceful people in the world. Do you know that? Every one of us that put our faith in Jesus ought to be the most peaceful people in the world. How else are we going to be ambassadors of Christ if we're caught up responding to this world like everybody else that has no faith in him? You see, the gift of peace that comes from God it is not a temporary peace. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling when we sing a good song or you sit back with a cup of coffee in the morning and life is peaceful because nothing's happening yet. Peace is, is not a short-term event. Peace is part of us, and it's not out of our reach. In fact, God has promised to give it to us. John 14, verse 27, these are the words of Jesus. He said to his disciples, peace, I leave you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The key statement in there is this. He said, my peace I leave with you. It's not a peace you have to conjure up. It's not a peace that this morning someone's going to say to you, hey, try a little harder to be peaceful. That's kind of like saying try a little harder not to worry, right? 
No, it is, not, it is not peace that we conjure up. It is peace that has been given to us when we walk in his favor. So how do we do that? Thank you for asking. There, there's, there's two or three things, I think, that get us there this morning. And the first one, if I'm speaking to those who know Jesus, we get this. And that is, if we're going to walk in peace with God, and we're going to find that peace evident in our lives, then the first thing is we've got to receive God's pardon in our lives. We've got to receive God's pardon in our lives. That's Christmas right there, isn't it? The greatest gift God gave us is pardon. The greatest gift God gave us is the forgiveness of our sins. You see, when we walk in sin outside of God's pardon, when we have unconfessed sin in us, when we're, we're trying to work it out on our own and we're trying to find our way through it, it robs us of our peace. Because now we've taken what is God's position and we've taken it on ourselves. And we become our own savior and somehow we think out of that we're going to learn to be peaceful again because somehow we're going to fix it or we're going to be better. I don't want to be better in the new year. I want to be transformed. Can I say that this morning? I, I don't want a better version of me. I want the version God created me to be as he releases his gifts inside of me and you in this new year. But we try to find a way to pardon ourselves and we can't. And that just leads to more worry, more stress. It's only when we receive God's pardon that peace flows to us we say then well what is pardon it's a very important word because you see what pardon says to us is pardon is when someone in authority gives you something you don't deserve when someone in authority gives you something you don't deserve that's pardon we see it in governmental circles well they're going to give them a pardon well, what it's saying is you don't deserve this in fact you ought to be punished for your sins but we like you so we're going to give you a pardon well, what God said to us is in our sins, the wages of those sins is death. But he says, I have something better than that. It's called the gift of God. It's the gift of Jesus. And in the gift of God, there is eternal life. There is forgiveness of sins. There is pardon. So if we're going to walk in God's favor and walk in God's peace, it begins by coming there. Because when you get this right, <laughs> all hell can be breaking loose around you. But you will know peace on earth when you have peace with God. Paul said this in Romans 5, verse 1. He said, therefore... <clears throat> Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, can I challenge your faith? That's something we do have some control over. Where do we put our faith in? If our faith is in our Savior, then that pardon becomes real to us and allows us to do the second thing that really brings peace to our lives. And that is not only do we receive God's pardon, we need to run to God's presence. We need to run to God's presence. You know, we've got to pull away from the turmoil and get into god's presence there's a discipline to that isn't there we, we don't like things that require discipline but there's a discipline to coming in god's presence it's not a matter of just wishful thought or or maybe that would be cool it's it's a matter of saying god you have shown me the way into your presence it is by your grace through faith and lord i come God, you've shown me a way to, to come and meet with you, Lord, and it, and it comes when I, when I take your word and your word comes alive in me. Lord, it, it comes when I communicate with you and I share and unburden my life. God, it comes when I worship you. Why, why, do, we, why do we take 25, 30 minutes in our service to, to sing songs? And again, we know that's not all worship is, but the word of God teaches us in Psalms that there is a pathway into God's presence. And one of those is we come in with singing and, and upraised hands and clapping and shouting and all the things that take these bodies and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind myself I'm not my own. God, I'm with you, Lord. You have everything. And when we do that, the word says that God is enthroned in the praises of his people 
He is in the throne. That ought to get us excited on a Sunday morning because there's times we need to be in the throne room, amen? And in the throne room, what happens? He extends his hand and grace and mercy flow to us. But it comes when we come into his presence. One of my favorite verses, early memorized King James, I still butcher it when I read it, it's Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you king james says that you keep his mind in perfect his mind is stayed on you in other words that our mind is on god our mind is on god thoughts our mind is on the promises of his word all throughout the day and not just once a week why because we've come into his presence in his presence we have peace so it starts with pardon leads us into god's presence third thing is one that's very critical if we want to walk in that favor walk in god's peace we need to learn to respect god's principles you need to respect God's principles. Say, so, Mike, what does that what does that mean? It's like any relationship. I mean, I can say to Denise all day long, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But if I do everything in the world that is opposite of what she desires, needs, or even asks, my words are hollow. And they mean nothing. So I can say, I love you all day long and i leave the peanut butter out every day and i'm thinking well she doesn't care it doesn't matter anyway because i know she loves me it's a, it's a minor little irrit- this is a truly an irritation in our house right now so i'm just <laughs> using an example it's not socks on the floor so it's peanut butter on the cabinet anyway but and what it's saying is when god brings us into his life and we we relate to him he gives us principles that make our lives rich he gives us principles that make our lives work and what happens is we can say well God, Jesus loves me, this I know, and I accept that love, and by grace I receive, and, I, and I'm thankful that my sins are forgiven. But then if I reject God's principles of relationship from now on, I will not be walking in peace. I'm, I'm not doubting salvation. I'm not doubting that heaven's in the future. But can I tell you, I want to experience God's blessings now as well as in the future when I get to heaven. So I walk within God's principles. Listen, we try to make the Bible fit our culture, and we twist its principles. Instead of saying, what does God's word say? We got a problem, what does God's word say? We have sickness, what does God's word say? That's why in Psalm 119, the psalmist wrote this in verse 165. He said, those who love your instructions have great what? Say it. Peace. And do not stumble. So they don't live with this not knowing. They don't live with this I'm lost. They don't live with this chaos if i just don't know what i'm doing if we live by god's instructions he says not only will you have great peace you won't stumble you'll learn to walk with confidence in the love of christ you'll learn to walk in confidence of the love that he has for us and he has in us and he wants to show through us we need to work in god's principles you know it's not a lot when we think about it but it impacts all of our lives for years i've struggled with this as a pastor people get saved and i'll say hey you know what Jesus said you need to be baptized. Well, I'll get around to that. Really? Why, why, would you, why would you not want to follow through with something that God says is important in your life? Oh, I'll get around to that. That's not, that's not the way you start relationship. And yet the word tells us there are things like that. I, I think the principles of God are very clear. I, I believe we ought to be part of a local church. He created the church and said we are part of, we're part of the body of Christ. And I, I think that's part of what we ought to be instead of just bouncing around feasting off of whatever church offers But coming in and say no, I want to use my gifts to build up a local expression of Jesus in a community that needs him I think we need to honor God's word concerning marriage Our finances 
Well, I said marriage last week. It got really quiet in here, didn't it? I just, I believe. I'm not old-fashioned. I want to be biblical. The Lord tells us how life works, including our finances, our sex life, our marriage, all those things. Why? Because when we follow God's principles, the Word says He brings great peace into our lives, and we will not stumble. Church, that's a pretty good prescription right there, isn't it? Lord, if I want peace, then Lord, I start with your pardon. Because I can't do anything to earn that. Lord, you gave it all to us. But Lord, in your pardon, now I get to experience your presence. Because until I'm pardoned, when I come into your presence, God, I feel awkward. Until I'm pardoned, I come into your presence, Lord, I feel condemned. I feel judged. I feel broken. But when I come into your presence, having received your pardon, I get to delight with my father like a child would and, and, and be free to, to be what a child is. I, I don't know if you noticed, they were having pajama day back here in the kids' church, and they're just having a blast. And I, I think about that, and I'm thinking, which one of us would have showed up in pajamas besides Justin and Mel? None of us. Because we're too dignified. We don't do that. But I just picture this freedom that comes when you're comfortable in God's presence. A little kid's like, Dad, I'm just here to dance before. I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to be with you. Because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence, God, there's fullness of joy. You see, guys, we need to let the Bible, we need the, prom the promises of God, the precepts of God get into us because great peace can be ours. Here's our, here's our statement. If you don't have a Bible, we will, be, we will gladly give you a Bible because we find in it the truth of God's word. Next year, you're going to hear this again and again and again. The word of God will change your thinking. When you change your thinking, you'll change your life. And we're going to be getting in and again and again and again of how do we get the Bible into our lives. I I'm tired of all the surveys that saying the church is becoming biblically illiterate. Not this church, not, not the church we're part of, because the word of God gives us life. It is the bread of life to us. So we've got to get into his principles. And finally, to wrap this up today, if we really want peace, this is so important, guys. We need to learn to rely on God's provision. We need to learn to rely on God's provision. I've been watching in my yard the last few weeks. I, I guess it's a certain season. Big, big, big red-tailed red hawk has taken up... Uh, nesting in the big tree right outside of my study. And, and I have to tell you, there's days that I don't get a lot done because I'm just watching her. I mean, it's this beautiful creation. But I watch her, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, I know you said you take care of sparrows, but that's a hawk, you know? He can take care of itself, you know? They're bad. I mean, they're like chipmunks beware. They're, my, I haven't seen a squirrel in like two weeks. I mean, seriously, they're all in hiding right now. Because this big old bird is like, I can kill you. I'm okay. I've got it here. And I, I, th I was thinking about that with this message this morning. I thought, you know, more of us try to act more like the hawk, like we got it. Don't worry about us. We've got it. Oh, pastor, we don't need anything. Pray for everybody else. They're needy. And yet God takes this example. Jesus, when he was talking about God's provision for us, and he says, consider the sparrow. I mean, who sits and watches a sparrow outside of their window for more than about five seconds, right? It's the sparrow. It's a little bird. Get over him. But he says, look at the sparrow. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't worry. They, they, don't, they don't have heart attacks. They're not on, you know, but yet I provide for them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And yet we doubt God's provision. We're always like, no, God, unless I do it, unless I can take care of my own business, then, then it's just not right. And God says, no, I, I came and I took care of your pardon, but I've also made provision for you. He said, he said in fact, this is what my promise is. He said, you cast all your cares on me, I care for you. 
He said, see if I don't pour out. We talked about finances a while ago. When we trust God with our finances. See if I don't pour out a blessing on you you can't even contain because God created you and I as believers not to live like this all the time, but to live like this. And that is that God would bless us so that we would bless others. But it comes when we start to walk and rely on his provision. He said this to us through his word. Philippians 4, 6-7, last verse we're going to read today. Speaking about how we, how we approach our Lord. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Remember we talked about worry a while ago? It's hard not, it's not hard, it's hard not to be anxious sometimes. But he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then look what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. What, what does that mean? That's when everybody's looking at you and thinking, why are you not like in a fetal position in the corner? You're like, because I got Jesus inside of me. You know, why are you not freaking out like everybody else and just pouring out all your woes on social media? Because I've got Jesus inside of me and he said he's got me. It transcends understanding. Maybe you've not been there, but can I tell you, when you stand in a place where the world is so upside down that you look and you're like, I do not know what to do at all. And yet I am full of peace that's when you know your faith is connected with our God because he's promised that to us. It passes all understanding. We'll, we'll guard. I love, that. I love that imagery. Peace is, a, peace is a victorious soldier in our lives. He will guard. He will guard your hearts. He will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that say to us? God came to us but now he calls us to run to him. God came to us with all promise, with all possibility, with all hope. He came to bring peace, yes. But as believers, we, we understand something. There will be world peace one day, and that's when Jesus Christ comes again, and he stands on the mountaintop, and it's done. That's when world peace is going to come. But in the midst of the world, we can have peace. And I believe this, church, I believe one of our greatest witnesses in this world is the peace that should be found in believers. That's why you can sit at a funeral, and though your heart is broken, you still live in peace, but you're like, I'm going to see them. We're going to celebrate around God's throne one day. That's why you can go through a disease, and, and you can look at it, and you say, God, I did nothing to deserve this, but yet in this world I live, this happens. You can be in peace. God's got you. That's why even when you fall into times of sin, and we all do, and we get caught up in these habits and things that destroy, it's why in the midst of that, we are reminded, the Holy Spirit is practically yelling to us, remember I gave pardon. You didn't deserve it. You confess your sins to Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. That means I don't have to sit around with guilt going, did he, did he forgive me of everything? It doesn't mean I have to sit around with his anxiety of going, did I do enough? He said, you didn't do anything. You just put your faith in me. So how do we wrap this up? How do we enter into now this celebration of two days where it's chaos and paper and way too much sugar and all that good stuff? How do we, how do we come into this? I think it's simply this. And that is that we need to do what we know to do as believers. 
We need to do what we know we need to do what we know to do as believers when we come into the season and that is we don't need to hear another message about peace we just need to experience it. We experience and we give our worries, our pressure, our fears, our burdens to God and that's what we're going to do today. In fact, we're going to close a little differently. Yes, we're going to have communion. But we're going to pray specifically over four things this morning. So I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to start with pardon. We're going to work our way through presence. We're going to get down to principles. And finally, we're going to celebrate God's provision. Then, then we're going to step out and have communion. Because, you know, it would be total foolishness on a Sunday before Christmas for me to look at you and say, go think about that. Good luck. I hope you can find peace. No, God has promised to us. And for some, that may be trivial. You may be like, Mike, I'm, I'm, thank you. That's a sweet gift. For others, it may be, my life is so chaotic and it's so burdensome right now. That's the one thing I do need. God has provided for us. It does fit. You don't take it back. It's the right size, right color, right everything. 